Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents from around the world. I'm Do Hongyu. In this episode, we take a look at the major achievements of the G20 summit in India and China's push for global development. Chinese Premier Li Qiang says there's an increasing need for the world to strengthen confidence and enhance expectations for the future. He told the third session of this year's G20 summit that hopes for a better future has always been the beacon that guides mankind forward. He called on G20 members to assume an exemplary role and prioritize development. On the first day of the summit in New Delhi, India, the Chinese Premier urged the G20 to promote economic globalization. He also reaffirmed China's determination and deepening reforms, expanding opening up and pursuing high-quality development. Dong Xue reports. At the opening session for this year's G20 summit, Chinese Premier Li Qiang called for unity instead of division, cooperation instead of confrontation, and inclusion instead of exclusion among G20 countries. Well, this is Li Qiang's first time attending a global conference like the G20 as China's premier, which brings together leaders from the world's largest economies to discuss global challenges as well as cooperation. Well, he said China will continue to promote promote economic globalization and the stability of industrial and supply chains. Well, this obviously echoes Beijing's hope that the summit will strengthen consensus and convey confidence as well as to promote development. And, you know, ahead of the gathering, Chinese officials said the country has always attached great importance to G20-related activities. And just days before the summit, the Indian Sherpa also called China a multilateral pleasure in the G20 summit and said Beijing has played a constructive role in the group. That was Dong Xue with details from the Chinese Premier's address to the session one of this year's G20 summit. For more on the proposals by the Chinese Premier and the G20, Pandong spoke to Tang Jianchun, director of the Diplomacy Studies Center and Hunan Normal University. This time, he uh, emphasized the importance of unity and uh, cooperation, also reaffirmed that China proposed global security, development and civilization initiatives. How do these Chinese uh, proposals echo with the G20 theme? Yeah, this is uh, actually a very important uh, step for China to, again, uh, uh, to talk about uh, the initiatives, the proposals, the plans uh, to go ahead together. Uh, for example, the uh, security and development. Actually, they are the two sides of one coin. Without uh, security, I don't think we can have uh, good development. And without uh, uh, development, we cannot have uh, a very good security. So I think this is actually a very important moment for all the countries concerned to think about the way how can we, you know, go together to enjoy our achievements and to develop our society? Well, let's uh, remember the pillar of the G20 as uh, an international grouping. That is economic cooperation. Uh, Premier Li Qiang says China will strengthen the coordination of macroeconomic policies, maintain the security of international economic and financial systems, and promote the development of digital economy. Uh, how do these... Uh, uh, proposals or suggestions, uh, if you will, uh, embodied in the G20 uh, declaration, and uh, what are the existing or coming mechanisms to realize those? Yeah, you're right. I think uh, the uh, world economy 
has been recovering, especially after the COVID-19, three years there. So I think all the member states of G20 are thinking about the mechanisms or ways to go out for such a dilemma, that is the poor economy. And of course, some countries like China, the United States are facing uh, the same issues for them for the uh, slowdown of their economy, but there should be some new driving forces for, for example, uh, the AI technologies and some other technologies just giving uh, the international community a new way to, you know, uh, find a new driving uh, point and to find some a new way to give more driving forces to the development of their economy. So I think that this moment, the international community should uh, go together to think about the new way, for example, the new technology and also the new way to uh, cooperate. That was an analysis from Tang Jianchun, director of the Diplomacy Studies Center and Hunan Normal University. Chinese Premier Li Qiang has called on China and Britain to stand against mixing trade and economic cooperation with politics and security and uphold the multilateral trading system. The two leaders met in New Delhi, where they both attended this year's G20 summit. Premier Li said China and Britain should properly handle disagreements and respect each other's core interests and major concerns. Earlier on the sidelines of the summit, Li met with European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen and urged China and the European Union to stabilize relations in order to offset uncertainties in the international landscape. He said China's development and openness bring opportunities rather than risks to Europe and the world. Li expressed his hope that the EU will uphold the principles of market economy and fair competition, keep its trade and investment markets open, and provide a fair, transparent and non-discriminatory environment for Chinese companies. Von der Leyen said the European Union is willing to strengthen dialogue and cooperation with China to jointly tackle climate change and other global challenges. Premier Li also met Italian Prime Minister Giorgio Maloney and expressed China's readiness to jointly safeguard the security and stability of the global industrial and supply chains. The G20 has acknowledged China's contributions within the group. The summit's Sherpa Amitabh Khan says China has played a constructive role and it's a multilateral player within G20. China is a multilateral player. It participates very actively, very positively in all G20 negotiations. In every single working group it has participated. It's, uh, it has issues bilaterally, but it, multilaterally it's a player. For more on China's efforts and achieving common development and prosperity, Gasturi Manikam spoke with Professor John Gong, Vice President of Research and Strategy at the University of International Business and Economics, Israel. China has been pushing for the development of global governance on a path of cooperation and inclusiveness. How can the international community build a consensus and achieve greater cooperation? Yeah, uh, exactly. I think, um, you know, the international, uh, so-called international uh, rules-based order um, needs some uh, changes, needs some reform. Uh, fundamentally to reflect the voices of the global south. So I think in that uh, respect, um, you know, organizations like uh, BRICS, like the G20, uh, these are good platforms for the major powers to discuss the reforms regarding these international uh, institutions. 
uh, I think at a very fundamental level, you know, the, the error of the few Western countries, the club of the richest countries, you know, they band together and calling shots uh, and call it loose-based systems. These days are over. Uh, we're entering to a new era, uh, an era when um, you know, each country, especially the countries from the, the from the global south, from the developing world, should have an increasing and a louder voice in, in, in global governance. Professor Gong, given your expertise, how do you think uh, nations can advance reforms in the global financial system in response to challenges like high inflation and weak demand? Yeah, well, in, in terms of the, um, the global financial system, and in old days it was pretty much dominated by these two organizations, the IMF and the World Bank, but now we are seeing a plethora of new institutions coming up, you know, like the uh, in Africa, the African Development Bank. In, in, in Asia, we have two development banks uh, of that nature. Um, and I think uh, the fact that these new breed of uh, international financial institutions competing with the two dominant ones, uh, probably, you know, introduce a element of uh, competition, uh, element of impetus for international reform in that area. Uh, and as I think, second, the IMF and the, the World Bank itself um, need reforms as well. Um, I think, you know, the old practices of, um, you know, the, these two organizations being mostly influenced by a few countries, um, that has to change as well. Um, and. Uh, the lending practices, for example, uh, also need reform, you know, to dispense with the, the politically charged agendas. Uh, you know, the, the, these organizations should be really focused on development, you know, laser focused on development, as opposed to pushing some ideologically oriented or political agendas. That was Professor John Gone on China's call for multilateralism and the need for reforms and this year's G20 summit. Coming up, we'll look at the role of international financial institutions and what they should be doing in the future. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get an hour wavelength every week to find out what's real with China Africa Talk. Find us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. We'll see you there. One of the major outcomes of this year's G20 summit is admitting the African Union as a member of the group. Other issues discussed at the summit include increasing loans to developing nations by multilateral institutions and the reform of the international debt architecture. Zhou Jiaxing has more from New Delhi. Just after Indian Prime Minister um, Narendra Modi's speech in the very beginning of the morning session, uh, he announced this exciting news, I would say, uh, during the, uh, this year's summit, um, after the announcement to grant uh, African Union as the permanent membership of the bloc, um, the foreign minister of India actually walked to the president of the, uh, the bloc, Azali, and invited him to the seat, which was prepared actually. And then the staff at the uh, venue, which prepared the flag of the African Union, also the banner of that. We also heard uh, the applause from uh, the venue, and also we also heard uh, the applause from the media staff inside the international media. And actually, uh, this was proposed by uh, Narendra Modi just. Uh, 
a month ago. Also, China has actually supported uh, this decision. This is also echoing uh, what the uh, you know G20 host nation India has been advocating to give more voices to the global south at a time when we see some arguments about the you know the possibility of the global south and global north may you know putting it further apart. So this is actually welcomed by the international community, given that now the the economic the economic recovery is in a in a slow process. So African Union has been also a very strong partnership with China. And China has been invested in African Union, which is a continental organization similar to the status of the European Union, which is already one member member of the G20. So this would give more opportunities for African Union, including more than 50 countries, to share their voices, to share the responsibility with the with the rest of the world, to try to foster momentum to the economic recovery. That was Zhou Jiaxing reporting. The African Union believes it's time for new international orders. The AU's permanent representative to China, Rahmatullah Mohamed Osman, says the African Union becoming a member of G20 is a win-win. African Union is has a membership of 55 countries, and it has about 20 percent of the world population. We are now 1.3 billion inhabitants. It is estimated that within 2050, will this number will be doubled. So this will have definitely an impact on the international economic system. So this one of the reasons that we should be now. We are with the creation of the Africa Free Trade Area. We are the, considered as the eighth block, economic block in the world. So this should not be. I mean, as such, an organization should not be. I mean, sidelined. The envoy also says the world's resources are not evenly distributed, and developing countries should have a bigger say. We in the developing countries and in Africa per se. We are happy with the emergence of these new blocks, like the BRICS, for instance, which is in a so in a way, it is a sort of this demand for a new international economic order, because definitely the BRICS has its own trajectory for dealing with the international financial scene, and it is in favor of the developing countries. So we hope, but. I mean, when you look to the insistence of the advanced countries, especially the G7 countries, and not willing to pay what is even agreed upon in different international fora, starting from the 0.7 that they should from their GDPs to to be to assist the developing countries, that what is now is almost three or four decades since that decision was was adopted. But it's not even if you talk recently about the impact of of the environment on the developing countries and their economies. Unfortunately, we in Africa, for instance, we are suffering from the impact of this environment. Although we have not contributed, China was the first country to advocate G20 membership for the AU. President Xi Jinping reiterated China's support at a recent dialogue with leaders from African countries. The Chinese Foreign Ministry says China supports the African Union to play a bigger role in global governance. G20 Research Group Director John Curtin says he expects the African Union to help tackle global challenges and those faced by the bloc itself.
Well, it was a good start uh, with Mr. Modi announcing uh, at the beginning of the very first uh, session of the Delhi summit uh, that the African Union uh, would become a uh, permanent uh, member. So we've long had uh, great hopes for uh, Africa, and uh, this is a very hopeful sign. We'll just have to wait and see what the African Union uh, will actually contribute to the uh, G20 and the global issues uh, where the uh, G20 uh, leads. The African Union has 55 members from the continent. It's the second regional organization after the European Union to become a permanent member of the G20. Leaders of G20 members have stressed the need for diplomacy and dialogue, although differences remain on major issues such as the conflict in Ukraine. Ravinda Bawa reports. It was a big moment for India's presidency of the G20. The delegates from the world's most powerful nations reached a compromise on language to describe the conflict in Ukraine. Obviously, because of uh, the uh, ongoing uh, conflict, the strong views about it, uh, considerable time was spent, especially in the last few days, uh, in regard to geopolitical issues. Uh, which really centered around uh, uh, the war in uh, Ukraine. There were doubts that a consensus could be reached on an issue like Russia-Ukraine conflict, which has divided the East and West bloc of countries. What I think is important is what is the position which that country has taken, uh, how much that country has contributed to the deliberations and the outcomes. Uh, and I would say here that uh, you know, all the G20 members, and since the question was asked specifically about China, I would say uh, China as well, that China was very supportive. The leaders' summit started on a positive note when the African Union, or AU, was given a permanent membership of the bloc. It's a new beginning in global affairs. It is India's day as president. Emerging markets have played a major role in resolving the long-standing differences. That was Ravinder Bawa reporting from New Delhi. This year's G20 president India is advocating reformed and efficient multilateralism that could benefit everyone and gives more voice to the global south. UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres has recently denied that the current multilateral institutions have been outdated. Facing enormous challenges. In a world that is becoming more and more multipolar, we need a strengthened and reformed multilateralism. Some people think that if the world is multipolar, then peace will come by itself. It's not true. Europe was multipolar before the First World War, and in the absence of multilateral institutions of governance, the result was the First World War. So the multipolarity requires strong and reformed multilateral institutions. But when one looks at the Bretton Woods system, or when one looks at the Security Council of the United Nations, they do not reflect today's world. They reflect the world at the end of the Second World War, in 1945. Many things have changed. Guterres added that the world needs strengthened and reformed multilateralism to face the challenges of today. At this year's summit in India, members of G20 focused on the reform of multilateral development banks. 
under the current global environment, they say institutions like the World Bank need to look beyond their founding goal of poverty alleviation. Radhika Bajaj reports. Are the challenges and goals of the world economy the same today as they were in the 1940s when the first multilateral development banks or MDBs came into being? That's been a recurring question at G20 meetings with brainstorming on how these institutions can be reformed to fit into today's world. MDBs, when they came into existence, the whole globe was in a very different state. And now it has come to a stage where perhaps the, the goals and the objectives need to be revisited. A G20 panel of global experts has issued recommendations underscoring how lending capabilities of MDBs can be enhanced especially to fund global projects targeted at combating climate change and bolstering sustainability. Importantly, experts say MDBs need to focus on financial inclusion, offering fairer lending terms to those economies that need it the most. So the cost of capital, if we do not reduce it globally, makes investment and makes growth very, very difficult. And I think this is a really basic global financial inclusion conversation that we must have and we must strengthen institutions like the IMF and the World Bank to see how they can you know, reform themselves to be able to do this with using local currency. The expert panel says MDBs need to triple their current level of financing commitments to meet goals around inclusive growth, climate change and sustainability. It further calls for the setting up of a global challenges funding mechanism for global public goods. So far, the overall lending capacity of the World Bank Group and other multilateral development banks as a whole is about 120 billion US dollars a year. Experts say this needs to be taken up to at least $400 billion to meet the challenges faced by global economies. Private capital can bridge the gap. The challenge is convincing private players to participate in what many see as a high-risk, low-reward proposal. That was Radhika Bajaj on discussions of reforming international financial institutions. Brazil is a G20 member country. Law student Diego has shared his observations about the G20 and says he hopes the group will prioritize topics like poverty reduction and the elimination of social inequalities. Hi, my name is Diego. I'm a law student in Brazil. And when I think about the G20 um, organization, growing the world and everything, I think more as a lawyer, so historically what it represents for us today, being born from an economical crisis and now as a strong group to discuss topics uh, about environment, providing for financial and social aspects. And it's a huge uh, deal, it's a huge uh, issue to be pointed at. I heard a news about Argentina clear that with MIF in Chinese currency instead of dollar. Uh, nowadays, globally, all the operations for trading and everything are made in dollar. And now we have a prospection for change it and be more beneficial for other countries, these trades, these transactions. Argentina is a great example for us. They make those transactions for its benefit. So I think the probably we'll talk more about social points, like uh, poverty, fighting against poverty, uh, social inequality, 
and some issues that we live daily on a daily basis here in Brazil. Uh, it's really interesting when we start debating those topics here because it's something uh, among all the great issues in all around the world. We can see that it's a struggle for our population and others from our brothers and sisters around the globe. That was a Brazilian student on his expectations for the G20. With that, we come to the end of our special edition of the top story on this year's G20 summit in India. I'm Do Hongyu. Thanks for listening.